Hello and welcome to the 94 Feet Report. I am your host, as always, Eric Spropolis, and you can find me on Twitter at Eric Spiros. This is the 94 Feet Report basketball podcast. We were formerly um, a radio show on All in Sports Talk Radio Network, but um, due to some um, undergoing changes at the radio network, for the foreseeable future, we will not be on All in Sports Talk Radio Network. We will just be the podcast on Blog Talk Radio. Um, so we're back to our original format of a basketball podcast on Blog Talk Radio. You can find all of our previous episodes on the site. It's blogtalkradio.com backslash the 94 feet report. Or you can find um, all the other episodes on iTunes or, or Stitcher or wherever you listen to your podcast. If you just search the 94 feet report, um, you'll you'll get our podcast um, there and you can listen to them on the go. Um so as I said, I'm Eric Spropolis. I'm your host. I'll always be your host. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Eric Spiros, and you can find some of my other work um, at the Dream Shake, which is the Houston Rockets affiliated SB Nation blog. Um, I cover games there, write feature posts, put together daily links posts. Um, and I also work for NBA Lead, um, which is a growing digital media platform site that does um, a lot of interesting videos. We cover games. Um, and uh, what you'll most likely um, see me doing for NBA Lead is a segment called NBA Nightly on Tuesdays and Friday nights, um, which is where I'll go on Periscope from the NBA Lead account. So it's at NBA Lead, all caps. Um, and I'll be Periscoping for about 30 minutes those two nights, Tuesdays and Fridays, uh, talking about some games, talking about fantasy basketball, um, answering your questions. So that's what you'll be finding me doing for NBA Lead. I'd also like to let you know that this podcast, 94 Feet Report, and all of its episodes are brought to you by Fan Essentials. Um, Fan Essentials is a really cool subscription service. Um, what you do is you go on the website, fanessentials.net. You choose your sport. They have NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL. I believe MLS is coming. Um, you go in there. You choose your sport. You choose your favorite team, and you choose your, your subscription package size. I think there's small, medium, and large, and that kind of that dictates the size of your the box. Um, so each month you'll get a box of your favorite team's gear shipped right to your door. And the cool thing about it is that they contain unique items that you really can't buy or find anywhere else. It's kind of unique local items, um, for your favorite team. So it's really cool. Um, and if you use the promo code 94 feet, that's the numbers nine and four and then feet in all caps at checkout, you'll get 30% off your first fan essentials purchase. So really check out fan essentials. If you want some cool, unique gear from your favorite team. With that being said, it is October 31st. It is Hollow's Eve or Halloween. Um, and in this episode, um, we will be recapping the first week of the NBA season, going over some impressive week one performances, um, talking quickly about some great week one games that we all probably watched. Um, and then we're going to dive into some teams that look pretty impressive and then teams that look disappointing so far. And again, this is a small sample size. It's been actually, it's been less than a week of NBA basketball so far. Teams have probably played anywhere from two to three games, but we still, you know, we got to make some uh, arguments and claims and, and make some observations about the first week. So we're going to look at some impressive and surprising teams and then some disappointing teams. Um, and then we're, gonna, we're going to uh, talk about performers of the week. We're going to review the extensions that were signed today because today, October 31st at 11.59 p.m. Uh, Eastern Time, is the deadline for the uh, the uh, rookie options. Um, so, you know, third and fourth year rookie options. So we're going to look at some extensions that were signed for some marquee players. Um, and then we're going to conclude with our running weekly segment, Worst and Best of the Week. So without further ado, I guess we can get into um, the impressive week one performances uh 
in the NBA, and uh, some of them are, well, actually a lot of them are from the same player. So in just a moment, we're going to talk about the impressive week one performances from the first week of the 2016-2017 NBA season. All right, let's get into it. We all know who's going to be on this list, right? So let's start off with none other than Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook started off the first game of the of the Thunder season with 32 points, 12 rebounds, and 9 assists in a road win against the 76ers. Um, and then he followed that up. Uh, well, he followed it up with 51 points, 13 rebounds, and 10 assists against the Phoenix Suns. The interesting thing about those games is that the Thunder actually struggled to beat the 76ers and the Suns. The Suns game was at home, and the 76ers game was on the road. And even with these monstrous Russell Westbrook performances, especially the 51-point triple-double, the Thunder struggled to beat the Suns, which is kind of, which you, you probably would think is a concern. Um, and uh, that's why I have the Thunder coming up in one of our segments about impressive and disappointing teams. You can kind of get where I'm going with this. Um, but, you know, their schedule is pretty easy for the first week. As we saw, they played the 76ers, Suns, and Lakers so far. It's going to get harder. They have a Clippers, Warriors back-to-back this week, and um, they have to play the Jazz, I believe. Their schedule is only going to get harder, and if they're struggling to be the 76ers and Suns with these monstrous Russell Westbrook performances... They're going to be in trouble when they play the really good teams, especially the Western Conference playoff teams. So the Thunder, for now, have a, another week to get things in order, but they can't just rely on Westbrook to go off this much um, every game and still you know, expect to beat the good teams if they're struggling to beat the bad teams with these Westbrook performances. Um, and it, it remains to be seen if Westbrook can, carry, can keep this up the whole season, right? He's fresh. It's the first week of the season. Will he be able to do these triple-double performances and beat good teams in December and January? Um, it's, it remains to be seen. So the, the Thunder really have to work to get the whole team involved, um, get the team up to up to where it should be performing. Oladipo has struggled out of the gate so far. Um, so the Thunder, it'll be interesting to see to see how the Thunder play against marquee teams this week, especially with, of course, the Westbrook KD duel um, in, in the Warriors Thunder game, although it is in Golden State and not in Oklahoma City. So yeah, so, so two of our, um, I believe we have seven um, impressive performances. Two of them are from Westbrook, and he added another triple double um, against the Lakers, which is not as impressive as the 51 point double triple double. But <laughs> I mean, how many times can you do a 51 point triple double? I believe he was the first one since 75 or in the 70s with Will Chamberlain, I believe. So yeah, two of them are coming from Russell Westbrook in, in two incredible um, performances. Our next two come from the same player, and you can probably guess who it is, Anthony Davis. This is another similar story with Westbrook, except the, the Pelicans are losing in the West and the Thunder are winning. Um, but Anthony Davis in the first game of the Pelican season put up 50 points, 15 rebounds, 5 assists, 4 blocks, and 5 steals. He almost had the 5-by-5 the five five game, which is just unheard of, really. And... Um, so they played the Nuggets um, in that game, and they lost at home. So, you know, the thing with Anthony Davis is just, just, you got to feel bad for the guy, right? He's a star player. He's putting up these monstrous games, um, and they lose. I mean, the, the Pelicans are, I mean, I believe they're 0-2. Oh, um, they're 0-3, actually, I believe. And so um, you just have to feel bad for them. I mean... I mean, you have to feel bad for Davis. I mean, he's putting up these monstrous games, and then who is his next go-to guy? Is it, you know, Tim Frazier? I mean, that's just, 
I mean, yes, of course they have Drew Holiday's hurt. I mean, not hurt. Um, he's actually out with his uh, taking care of his family. Um, and of course, you know, we all send our, our wishes to his family. Um, Tyreek Evans is hurt. Um, but the, the team is just, I mean, like last year, they're going to get off to a really rough start. And in the Western Conference, they're just not going to be able to rebound from that rough start to make the playoffs. It's another year of Anthony Davis, who is putting out these monstrous numbers just to no avail, essentially. Because uh, in their next game, he put up 45 points and 17 rebounds against the Warriors in another loss. And then Davis was quiet in a, a, a blowout loss to the Spurs. So the Pelicans are 0-3, even with Anthony Davis putting up these ridiculous numbers. And you just got to feel bad for Davis for putting up these numbers and seeing who's around him, such as Tim Frazier along um, Solomon Hill, Omar Ashik, you know, guys like that. Just They just can't get wins, and they're wasting these ridiculous performances from Anthony Davis. So our next two on the list were Anth- from Anthony Davis. Uh, let's look at another impressive performance from James Harden. Um, in the lost opening night loss to the Lakers, which was a very disappointing loss for the Rockets, um, that's a whole other story, really. Uh, Harden put up 34 points, 17 assists, and eight rebounds. Um, I believe he had 14 assists at half. Um, it was just incredible. I mean, I think that if you're going to bet on someone to put up a 30-20 point in game in points and assists this year, or even a 40-20 game in points and assists, you're going to probably put your money on Harden. Um, the next two games of the Rockets played the Mavericks, and Harden had less assists. I think he had eight in each game. But uh, I think it's pretty. I think it's it's uh, pretty realistic for Harden to average ten assists a game this year. I mean, you saw the potential that he has um, against pretty bad defenses like the Lakers have to put up seventeen assists in a game. So I think that Harden will have enough of those games to average ten a game this season. Um, but again, it was another wasted performance because the Rockets' offense just slowed down significantly and and pretty much was uh, obsolete in crunch time in that loss to the Lakers. Um, so it's another impressive performance from week one. Um, another another one, actually we have two more um, coming from the same player, is Damian Lillard. And so in the opening Trailblazers game, he put up 39 points, uh, nine rebounds, and six assists. And then he put up 37 points, seven assists, and five rebounds um, in the uh, win against the Nuggets in overtime, including the game-winning floater um, in overtime. Lillard is just a stud. He's a clutch player, as he's proven over time. I mean, all Rockets fans and, uh, and all NBA fans remember his game-winning shot in, in Game 6 against the Rockets in the playoff series in 2013-2014. Um, and he's just, he just opened up the week with a bang with, with two 35-plus games. Um, and he's contributing in a lot of other categories, right? He has he had nine rebounds in one game, seven five rebounds in the other game, and then six assists in one game, seven assists in the other game. He's contributing in all categories, making clutch plays, and leading into um, leading to Trailblazers wins, and they're two and one, and they and they look pretty good so far as well. Our final um, impressive Week One performance comes from Kawhi Leonard. Now he's had multiple impressive performances, but the one I'm going to highlight is his 35.5 rebound and five steal game against the Golden State Warriors in that Spurs throttling uh, 29 point win in Golden State, which took a lot of people by surprise, but probably not the Spurs organization. Uh, Kawhi just provides lockdown defense, and um, it was interesting because I read somewhere on someone on Twitter or one of the Spurs players, I think, was actually sent, quoted saying that Kawhi has more of a hardened mindset in terms of going to drawing fouls and going to the free throw line, which is just going to be so incredible uh, for Kawhi and his game if he can drive to the rim and draw fouls effectively like Harden. It's a great way for him to get points. Um, it doesn't have to rely too much on his jump shot, and he's a great shooter, uh, and it, it gives him enough effort to uh, continue to provide that lockdown defense, which we saw against the Warriors. You saw him stripping Curry, um, 
just dunking on people. He just he's always aware. He's always playing well on defense, and, and he looked to he's looked to improve and expand his offensive game even more. Um, this is completely Kawhi's team now. Um, yes, they have Aldridge and they have Gasol, but those are side players or side pieces compared to Kawhi. It's his team. He's embraced that role. He's continued his great lockdown defense and only improved his offensive performance. So he's just he looks like a really good MVP uh, pick. Um, right now and I, I had him second on my ballot to Harden and you know after the first week I'm confident that the Rockets are not going to get enough wins for Harden to be MVP but uh, Kawhi looks like they're the Spurs are going to get definitely going to get enough wins they're 4-0 in their first week and have looked really good uh, blow out the Warriors they blew out the uh, Pelicans as well so Kawhi looks like a really good MVP pick and of course all these guys are fantasy studs you know we, we knew about them there were no like crazy week one performances from guys who are, are not fantasy studs unless you want to call consider Jonathan Simmons opening night performance uh, an impressive one because I thought it was, surely was impressive I mean uh, that block on Curry um, that chase down block on Curry's layup just swallowed that ball hole and um, that monstrous dunk on JaVale McGee to end the game uh, Jonathan Simmons was really impressive and his story was incredible I believe that um I think a couple of years ago, he actually paid the Spurs organization, uh, their D-League affiliate, to uh, try out. I think he paid them $150 a tryout, and then here he is opening night in Golden State against that super team, um, scoring 20 points, dunking on people, blocking shots. So Jonathan Simmons can count as an impressive week one performance as well. Um, so yeah, those are um, the one, the impressive week one performances that I um, I saw, and I you know I watched them. Um, I thought they were really impressive. Of course, these guys are stat stuffers, and will be routinely on our week our impressive performances from each week um, in the NBA season let's quickly talk about some great week one games that we probably all watched um, let's start off I mean we got two Blazers games here the first game um, of the season against the Jazz it was the, the third game on that Tuesday night um, so the the only game on national TV it was on league pass and it was just like it was just that prototypical great league pass game it was down to the wire you had Joe Johnson going off in that in that second half you had Damian Lillard making clutch plays led to his 39 points nine rebounds and six assists game um it was just a great game the Jazz were were down Derek Favors and Gordon Hayward um and Burks um and they still you know fought to the end it was a great league pass game kind of had that like you know um kind of NBA Twitter uh, kind of vibe like everyone on NBA Twitter was like oh you know you know the Spurs and Warriors most people most casual fans are watching that national TV doubleheader but those were two blowouts and Blazers Jazz was the real game to watch the other the Blazers game we have is Blazers Nuggets um so the Nuggets were up by I believe uh, 10 plus with about two or three minutes to go the Blazers got it back down to uh, tie it and they went to overtime and then that's when and it was a back and forth in overtime as well and then um Damian Lillard got Kenneth Fareed on a um, transition switch and then drove by him for an incredible floater with, I think, 0.2 or 0.3 seconds left. Again, Lillard just super clutch. It was just a really clutch game from Lillard, and it was a really fun back-and-forth game from the Blazers and Nuggets. Um, the Nuggets look like they're going to be fighting all throughout the season, but probably suffer these losses to teams that are better than them. If the Nuggets really want to make that push for that AC and be competitive, they've got to win games like this when they're up 10-plus with three minutes to go. But regardless, it provided some entertainment and some overtime clutchness from Damian Lillard. Another game that was an overtime um, really fun game to watch was the Mavericks-Pacers game on, on uh, that Wednesday. Uh, it was really high scoring. Uh, I went to overtime when, when Harrison Barnes knocked down that wide-open three to tie it at the, at the buzzer. 
Um, had really great performances from Miles Turner, which actually, now that I'm thinking about it, he should have been included on the impressive week one performances. There's been so many impressive week one performances. I forgot about Miles Turner. I think he put up 30, 30 points and 16 rebounds and four blocks. Um, and because of all the other great performances, I actually forgot Turner on the list. So uh, they had that great Turner performance. It was really high scoring. I think the Pacers won 130 to 121. Just a high scoring, great uh, overtime game. Um, with a lot of great performances in it as well. And then um, just a final week one game I'm going to talk about is the, the Celtics-Bulls game um, on Thursday night. Um, you know, it was, it was a down to the wire. The Celtics were coming off a back. They were on the second night of a back-to-back, so the loss is, is pretty much excused for them. Um, but it was a down to the wire game in Chicago, and Dwayne Wade in his Bulls debut hit a clutch three with, uh, I think, 30 to 40 seconds left. That was essentially the dagger. Um, and the funny thing about that is that the Bulls have actually – um, the Bulls are one of my impressive teams of the week so far because they've actually been able to find some three-point shooting from somewhere. Um, and they used that to beat the, the Celtics. And then they went on to throttle the Pacers as well. So the Bulls are uh, look pretty good. And that was a really fun uh, week one game. Uh, so those are some you know, week one observations in terms of impressive performances and really great fun um, games to, that we've seen. Um, whether it be on a league pass, on national TV, etc. And, you know, I think each week I'm going to try and do this. Um, just each, each week give, you know, five to seven. If Or each week I'll give as many as I, I, I deem to be impressive week one performances or week performances. And then I'll, I'll give a couple of games from that week that I thought were great. Just to summarize quickly uh, who was really balling out that week and, and which games were really fun. In case, you, in, in case you do have a league pass subscription, you can go back and watch games. Um, so I'll talk about which games that I really enjoyed watching. So you maybe you can catch up on the highlights or look for them on YouTube or whatever. Um, and then I'll do the same for the performances each week. And that's that'll be my way of starting off the show to summarize the last week in terms of performances and great games. And then now I guess we can uh, we'll just move on to some and talk about the teams overall. So we'll talk about uh, next we'll talk about some impressive teams and then. After that, we'll talk about some disappointing teams and go a little bit more in depth on why each team I have listed is in that category. So in terms of impressive teams, there are some that are going to be pretty obvious and uh, some that will be, you know, a little bit more, um, not unknown, but maybe less expected. So in terms of, oh, and before I, before I start, yeah, I got to clarify and point out, yes, it is a small sample size. So when we're talking about impressive teams or disappointing teams, it's a small sample size. Some great teams struggle in the beginning and some bad teams do well in the beginning. So, you know, we'll have a greater, a better grasp on the, and what, what level each team is truly at in a couple of weeks. I, I say, you know, you give teams 10, 10-ish games to get a real solid sample size, about an eighth of the season. Um, and so um, this is a small sample size, but again, we, got, we do got to fill some time here and, and talk about some teams. So let's talk about some impressive teams. And let's start off with none other than the Cleveland Cavaliers. It looks like they're not going to have a championship hangover. They have a 12.7 point differential. Um, they had they throttled the Knicks on opening night with that elaborate after that elaborate um, ring and banner ceremony, and then they went into Toronto and beat the Raptors, and then they throttled the Magic um, on Sunday. Um, so just the Cavs look really impressive. They dominated the teams that they should dominate, and they won against the real the only real competition to them last year, the Raptors in Toronto um, after a clutch play from Kyrie. Um, so the Cavs look like they're going to be 
full steam ahead. Um, this week gets a little bit harder for them. They do have a, a defensive test in the Rockets. Um, in terms of the Rockets will will test the Cavs defense. Uh, the Rockets don't have a defense to be tested. Um, and so we'll see how the Cavs do. But they look like they're not going to have a championship hangover. They, they, still look, they look as hungry as they were last season before they won the title. Um, and they look to be really, really, they look to even be even better this season. Um, so the Cavs are an impressive team. And that that's a, you know, pretty expected. Another team I just mentioned before is the Chicago Bulls. They looked to be an actually decent shooting team. I mean, I mentioned that game against the Celtics. They um, hit a, a good amount of threes. I believe the Bulls have actually hit more threes this year than the Warriors so far. And so if you expected that to happen, you're in the minority with that opinion. Um, but um, the Bulls, if they can actually be a shooting team, and not a great shooting team, if they can just be average, you know, from uh, from downtown, from three-point land, they'll be, a, they'll be a lot better than people expected. You know, when people criticize the Bulls in their offseason – and gave predictions about their their wreck uh, this season. The main thing you would have heard is that they can't shoot. But if it turns out that they can shoot and be adequate from downtown and be an adequate shooting team overall, that's going to make a significant difference from the, for the Bulls. And, and it's turned out that the Bulls have have looked to be an actual shooting team so far. Um, and so the yeah, I was mentioning it before they won that tough game against the against the Celtics at home with Wade being clutch, and then they killed Indiana. Which it's hard to tell if that's a good win right now because Pacers, as we will talk about, um, well, I don't have them on my disappointing teams list because uh, I think that there will be there needs to be time before uh, the Pacers iron out everything. Uh, but the Pacers have looked pretty disappointing so far. But the Celtics did win that tough game against the ball of the the Bulls won that tough game against the Celtics and and looked to be a little bit better than people expected. Another team that's been pretty impressive um, are the Nets. Um, you know, they've been they've been fighting really hard. They they almost came back and beat the Celtics um, on Wednesday night last Wednesday night. Um, they beat the Pacers in their home opener. Um, they've been competitive overall. They they have a, actually have a plus point seven point differential. Um, and you know after they throttled the the Pacers, um, essentially throttled them at home. Um, the Nets have looked a lot better than people expected. They've they're fighting hard. Kenny Atkinson has been fighting hard. Jeremy Lin's putting up good numbers. Um, and I just saw something on Twitter. I wasn't able to read it, but Kenny Atkinson. There's a there's a you know profile, an article on Kenny Atkinson and and the Nets system of resting players. So Brook Lopez has already been rested for a game, um, but regardless, the Nets look impressive. They're not a really good team, but they're fighting hard, and that's what makes me feel like they've looked pretty impressive so far this season. Uh, it's only been a week, but hey, the Nets are fighting. Uh, it remains to be seen if they'll keep that up the whole season when they get those losses piling up. But at least for now, they're fighting and they're beating teams. Another team that's looked impressive to me are the Kings. Um, they're two and one with their one their lone loss to the Spurs. And the thing about them is the Kings are playing really good defense. Actually, I believe they're giving up 98 something somewhere around 98 points per game, which is a much big, better improvement than last season. It looks like Dave Yeager is, as a coach is really paying off. Um, in that in that respect, he's got people buying in. They're playing hard, playing good defense, and they're beating teams. They beat the Wolves at home. Um, I believe they beat the Suns as well. Um, and then uh, they're playing good defense, and they, they put up a tough game against the Spurs. Uh, that was the, the Spurs' hardest win of this of the first week, um, and it was to the, and it was against the Kings. So the Kings look impressive because they're playing good defense and really buying into Dave Yeager and, and putting up a good fight, uh, which is exactly what you want to see from the Kings. They have talent. They've just got to put it together, get the right coach, get the right defense, get the right system going, and it looks like they've done that so far in the first week of the season. And final, our final impressive team is... No, no duh. It's the San Antonio Spurs. 
they destroy the warriors and destroy the pelicans and they also uh, beat the kings um they have an 18.7 point differential i mean that that opening night game against the warriors at 29 point beatdown was just just incredible really yeah Kawhi locked down defense um they went big um with aldridge and gasol and, and just they were just more physical than the Warriors, especially in the in in the paint. Uh, and then they had guys like Jonathan Simmons come off the bench or essentially off the street, as we mentioned and talked about his story before. Um, and so they destroyed the, the Warriors and they destroyed the Pelicans. Um, just took Anthony Davis right out of that game, um, which I guess makes sense because he did put in those two monster performances before that game against the Spurs. But they had that not, almost a 19-point differential. It looks like they're not really missing Duncan at all. Maybe they are in the locker room, but in terms of on the court, their defense has remained elite. Their offense is great. They're they're, they're doing their Spurs system. I mean, it just must be incredible to be a Spurs fan and just be treated to this such great basketball year after year. Um, and as I mentioned before, I think Kawhi is a really good and really safe MVP pick for people who made that pick. I had him number two on my ballot because I was overly optimistic on the Rockets. Um, and that's why I thought that they would win enough games to Harden be MVP. But it looks like Kawhi is the safer pick after all. Um, so those are some impressive teams. Again, this is a small sample size, but I do have the Cavs, the Bulls, Nets, Spurs, and Kings as the kind of the five impressive teams that I've noted um, in the first week of the season. Now, of course, there must be the opposite of, of impressive teams. That's disappointing teams. And uh, I've got four on my list. Again, this this is a small sample size, less essentially less than a week um, of NBA basketball, essentially three games for each team. But here are the teams that have disappointed me um, or disappointed other people uh, who had overrated them before. So the Magic. I mean, the Magic look horrible. They look like they're going to be one of the worst teams in the league so far. They have a negative or minus 14.7 point differential. Essentially, they've been blown out in every game. They've had no offense, which was expected. We all knew they weren't going to have a good offense, but their defense has been bad, and that's what they were banking on. You know, they, they signed a Biombo. They trade for Ibaka. Move Gordon to small forward. I mean, you've, when you play minutes with Ibaka and Biombo and Alfred Payton at three of your five positions, and you have a bad defense, something is going wrong there. And then you couple that with the expected bad offense that they were going to have, is a recipe for disaster. They were blown out by, they were destroyed by the Heat. Um, they were destroyed by the Cavs as well before they, they made it close at the end. Right? They come, they were down by, I think, 20, and then they came back to make it look like a decent, respectable score. But they're in, in th- reality, they were, in reality, they were blown out um, by every team they played essentially this, this week, and they look so bad. I, I don't know what they're going to do to fix it. Uh, I think it'll take a little bit longer for Vogel to implement, you know, get his hands on the Magic system and their rotations. But until then, the Magic are in trouble of having a seriously bad start. Um, so they're they're the most disappointing team um, of the season. The second team we talked about in the first segment of impressive performances, and it's the New Orleans Pelicans. They just have no one else but Anthony Davis. I mean, we talked about those two performances that he put up this week. You know, the, the, almost the 5x5 five five, uh, game uh, in the opening night loss to the Nuggets and then that 45.17 rebound game and that loss to the Warriors. Of course, we have to take this with a grain of salt because we do know that the Pelicans have injuries and missing players, especially in Tyreek Evans and Drew Holiday. But the question is, or the concern is, is by the time those players come back, will they already essentially be eliminated from the playoff race? I mean, last year, I believe they started off 1-10 or 1-11 because of those injuries and missing players. 
and they were not able to rebound at all. And by then, you know, confidence is just destroyed. Um, and then the, the injured and, and players and, and the missing players return. And then by then, it's just too little too late. And you've already wasted all these great Anthony Davis performances. And then you know his body's going to break down for to miss probably around 10 games a year. And then you couple that with a really bad start, which looks like they're on their way to right now. And you've got some serious concerns for the Pelicans. Uh, another team on the disappointing teams list is the T- Timberwolves, the M- Minnesota Timberwolves. They haven't been bad, but I think that people have been overrating them, which is why their losses to Memphis on opening night and to Sacramento um, were disappointing for some people. Um, there were a couple people I know on Twitter and, and NBA writers who predicted the Wolves to get close to 50 wins in a top five seed, and they were discouraged to see that this team is what it really is. It's a young team. And so young teams usually struggle to win close road games. That's just the that's just the thing with young teams. You know, they're not prepared. They're not used to having close road games that really mean a lot when there are a lot of more expectations on them. And I don't care who the coach is, um, it's going to take time for a young team to get used to playing close road games where there's pressure on them to win in order to be included in that playoff hunt. And so far, the Wolves look exactly like a young team that's struggling to win close road games um, in Memphis and in Sacramento. Um those are tough, tough games, but they really, they could have pulled out both of, of, of those games. And if the Wolves really want to be a 50-win team and a top-five seed, they really should have pulled out those two close road games. But I'm not one of those people who expected them to be really good. I think I had them at 40 wins and just missing out on the playoffs. I think I had them at the ninth seed. But for t- people who had them at a top-five seed and anywhere from 45 to 50 wins, they were overrating them, I believe. And they're going to realize that this is a young team that's struggling to win game, close games especially. And our final disappointing team we talked about, uh, again, in the opening segment of impressive performances from Westbrook, or the Oklahoma City Thunder. Of course, they've got great stats from Russ. It's fun to watch. Great performances from Russ. But uh, again, as I alluded to in the first segment, will he be able to keep this up? And then the real the real major concern and the real reason why I have him on the disappointing teams list is that they struggled to beat the 76ers and the Suns, two really bad teams. Um and so, you know, you've got these great Westbrook performances. And, yes, they won the games, and their record is 3-0. and um, Their third win, third win was against the Lakers, as I mentioned before. Um, but if you're struggling to be the 76ers and Suns with these great Westbrook performances, and you and you go and you play the really good teams, and you don't get the, the great Westbrook performances when the, the good teams you face have really good defenses, you're going to struggle to win some games. So I think the Thunder have some serious concerns going forward. Yes, they were able to squeak out those victories, but you don't want to. You wanted to cruise against the 76ers and the Suns, and then um, put to rest some doubts about this team. But they haven't done that so far, which is why I had them on the disappointing teams list. So those are um, four teams that I have on my disappointing teams list: the Magic, Pelicans, Wolves, and Thunder. Again, there are a bunch of other teams that are pretty disappointing, but didn't catch my attention enough to put them on this list. And again, it is a small sample size. So when we get back to the segment again next week, well, the teams might have changed, the teams might have stayed, you know, who knows. But we have to give it a little bit more time before you can really find out how good or bad these teams are. All right, let's quickly go over the performers of the week. They're pretty obvious. Anthony Davis, of course. Um... And again, I'm not going to dive into their actual stats or performances because we did talk about that in the first segment of impressive week one performances. But um, those impressive week one performances have led Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook and Damian Lillard to obviously make the list. 
And then Boogie Cousins, DeMarcus Cousins, has made the list as the fourth performer of the week because in three games, he's averaging 30 points per game, 10 rebounds, and three assists per game. Just incredible stats. And the Kings are 2-1 and one, um, and have looked pretty good. So it's not one of those Anthony Davis cases where those stats are being wasted. Uh, the Kings are actually winning games and using those, those good performances from DeMarcus Cousins to good use in getting some wins. So those are the four performers of the week. I could have included James Harden who I believe is averaging uh, 30 points per game, 10 assists per game, and 8 rebounds per game. Um, But I went with these four because they have better stats and their team has done a little bit better or has looked more impressive. Um, So we're going to be wrapping up um, in this episode in a little bit, in 5 to 10 more minutes. i got two more segments to go. Um, And the next one I want to talk about is actually I just added this to my notes because – as I was preparing to record this podcast tonight, um, some extensions have come in. Um, so this is the time of year. Um, everyone remembers that this time of year, uh, four years ago, uh, or f- yeah, four years ago, the Rock, uh, the Thunder traded James Harden to the Rockets because they could not negotiate the extensions that I'm about to talk about. Um, so they, they couldn't negotiate an extension with Harden, so they traded him to the Rockets, and that probably one of the greatest trades of all time or let me for the Rockets perspective I mean um but there were some players that were able to negotiate such extensions this year this this deadline um and the deadline again is tonight October 31st at 11:59 p.m. and so we're going to talk about the four extensions that have officially been signed uh, I believe they've been signed actually or at least negotiated um completely and we're going to give a little bit of a grade for each one let's start off with Stephen Adams who signed a four-year 100 million dollar deal I'm going to give this one a Um, Adams has great potential it's hard to find a really good big man with such potential that he has so the Thunder are smart to lock him up he's a young player he's going to grow with Westbrook and he's going to grow with the second player that they add that is on this extension list so I give that one an a because Adams has looks to have some really good potential the next one um Again, another Thunder player is Victor Oladipo. He got slightly less money, four years, $84 million. Um, I give this, I give this one a B. I'm not as high on Oladipo as I, th- as I think other people are. I know I know some people have some serious doubts about Oladipo. I think he's a good player. He's a good defender. He hasn't shown to be enough of a shooter to be able to pair next to Westbrook, and he struggled to open this season. Of course, it's only been the first week of him playing with Westbrook and his new team, so with time he'll get more comfortable in his role, and Billy Donovan will know how to use him better. Um, but he's looked a little bit off this week, and maybe his fit with the team and his fit with Westbrook can be questioned. Um, four-year $84 million is pretty much the running market rate for his type of player, a young wing um, that can play defense and shoot moderately. Um, so I give this one a B, maybe even a B-plus, because if you're looking at it from the Thunder perspective, you're locking up that core, right? You want Westbrook, you want Oladipo, you want Adams. That's your real. Those are your real uh, cornerstones right there, and you've locked them up now. Uh, so I give that Oladipo, Oladipo deal a B and the Adams deal an A, and move on to another big man. Rudy Gobert got four years, $102 million, slightly more than Steven Adams. And I give this one an A- minus because um, Gobert is a great defender. He's always really – essentially, he's always in the mix for Defensive Player of the Year. Um, and, uh, you know, he's, he's shown to be a really good defender and a competent offensive player, you know, in his his fit with the Jazz. The only concern, there has been some injury concerns and, uh, again um, – if I would, if I wanted to, if you gave me the choice between Adams and Gobert, it's a tough choice. I think I'd probably choose Adams for the higher potential and upside. Adams looks to have a little bit more of a polished offensive game. Um, you can't get past Adams, you know, mustache, 
hair combo. Uh, he's actually wrapped it up into a ponytail now, which is, I mean, he's going to change his look a lot probably. Um, so I'd probably take Adams over Gobert, but again, they're such similar deals, and I, I think Gobert is just an excellent defender, and, and their Jazz, again, are tying up their core as well. They're going to hopefully re-sign Gordon Hayward in the offseason uh, and Derek Favors. So they had to start with Gobert, and four years, 102 is essentially the, is the running market rate for a uh, big, a really young Good defending big man in today's market uh, with the new cap. So I give that deal an A minus. And the final deal to talk about today is the Georgi Dieng deal uh, from the Timberwolves. He got four years, four years, sixty-four million dollars. I really like that deal. I'm a high. I'm really high on Dieng um, as a player. He can hit that mid-range jumper. He can. He can give you probably his his potential is probably like 13 points per game, 10 rebounds per game, you know, two blocks per game. Um, but he looks to be. He looks like he can fit. Um, a good. He looks like he can fit pretty well next to Towns. And four years, $64 million for that kind of player in today's market is a good deal. So I'm going to give this one an A. Um, again, I, I think I'm a little bit higher on Dieng than most people are. Um, but I, I like that deal for Dieng, four years, $64 million in this market. Um, again, he's he's not he's not young. I think he's turned 27 um, in, in during this season. So he's pretty much probably at his potential. Um, but I think the market rate is is. Is basically he's got pretty much below or above. Actually, I mean he did get the same deal as Timothy Mozgov and Jan Mahimi. So, you know, I would put Dieng in that category. So I think it's a it's a good deal for the in the for the Wolves. So if it's, so just to review the extensions, I gave the Stephen Adams extension an A, and Ola, the Oladipo extension a B, the Gobert extension an A minus, and the Dieng extension an A. And that brings us to our final segment of today's episode: worst and best of the week. So I know I've been pretty inconsistent in doing these segments each week, but I'm gonna be, I'm gonna try hard to, to do this segment now that the season has started. Each week we're gonna look at the worst and best of the week. So it could be a single player, it could be a team, could be a front office of a team, could be the team's fan base, could be something on social media. Some you know it'll be something bad related to the NBA. So this week's best of the week is Kawhi Leonard. Uh, the Spurs went 4-0. He's averaging 28.3 points per game, and he has a, almost a 40. PER player efficiency rating again as I talked about before he's provided lockdown defense looks to even have expanded his offensive game which is just such a fear for the rest of the league um, and it looks like he's embraced the ownership of that leadership position on the Spurs the Spurs are now Kawhi's team and he's taking that role and started running with it the worst of the week is the Pelicans front office I mean get some players around Anthony Davis uh, Anthony Davis surely can't keep up this performance. Of course, his body will break down, especially if he's relied on to give these kind of performances like we talked about in today's episode. And when Anthony Davis can't keep it up and they don't have the, the returning Evans or Holiday, the Pelicans are in trouble, just like last year. And it looks like to be another failed season of Anthony Davis. Um, yes, he just signed that five-year extension, but who knows? If they continue to keep losing like this, if he keeps putting up these numbers, it would not be... Um, ridiculous for him to consider forcing a trade to get some a player of his talent needs to be in the playoffs consistently um and competing for championships so the pelicans office the pelicans front office is the worst of the week they've got to get some players around anthony davis so that will do it for today's episode of the 94 feet report again i wanted to uh, summarize some changes that will be coming to the show um Due to some unforeseen circumstances, All in Sports Talk Radio Network, where we previously hosted our show on Monday nights, um, will be uh, you know, shut down and closed for the foreseeable future and potentially reopened after some significant changes have been made. But until then, we will not be affiliated with All in Sports Talk Radio Network in terms of having our show on the radio network Monday nights. Instead, 
I will still produce um, weekly podcast episodes, which will be uploaded either Monday night or Tuesday morning, um, or Monday or Tuesday. I don't want to limit it, limit it to a specific time. So Monday or Tuesday of each week, there will be an episode of the 94 Feet Report. We will cut it down from the hour length, and we'll probably do anywhere from 40 to 45-minute episodes, um, just because I think it's it's a little bit better to be more concise, get get more information into the uh, episodes, um, and then give uh, a little bit more time for certain segments, like today when we talked more about the teams in more in-depth. Um, and um, hopefully we'll be getting a new sponsor for the show in the next coming week or so. So it's related to Daily Fantasy. I'm, I don't want to spoil anything for now, but hopefully we will have another sponsor to go along with Fan Essentials. So those those are some changes that will be coming to the 94 Feet Report. Again, we are moving back to our podcast-only format, no longer on, on All On Sports Talk Radio Network. Um, but this is still the 94 Feet Report, brought to you by Fan Essentials. As I said before, you got to check out Fan Essentials for some unique monthly gear shipped right to your door for your favorite team. Again, I'm your host, as always, Eric Spropolis. You can find me on Twitter, at Eric Spiros. You can find me periscoping on Tuesdays and Thursday nights on the NBA Lead account. That's at NBA Lead. And you can find some of my written work on the Dream Shake on SB Nation. So this is the 94 Feet Report Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Spropolis. Follow me on Twitter, at Eric Spiros. I hope you all have a great week of enjoying another week of NBA basketball, and we will be back next Monday or Tuesday recapping the week and talking more fantasy. So this is 94 Feet Report Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Spiropoulos, at Eric Spiros on Twitter. Have a great week and enjoy some NBA basketball, folks.